Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. My name is Harriet Blevins, and I'm so happy you're here today. As always, I want to thank you for your time, because I know there are a million other things you could be doing, so I appreciate your willingness to join me today. And I always want our time together to feel like we are in a mid-conversation with one another. I am going to get right to our topic because the last two weeks, we, or the last two episodes, we have been talking about the reach up and the reach out. So I left off the last episode talking about the reaching out. One of our core values at Sisterhood is this concept of reaching up, reaching out, and reaching back. We cannot and should not go this journey alone. God did not create us to do that. So today we are going to tackle the reach back. This has been such a great series, and through it we have learned that all of this reaching has to be intentional on our part. Either way we we reach, we are responsible. It is an action. So today I thought I would give a perfect example of an action by taking a look at the relay races. When I was in junior high school, and I know that is like before middle school. Middle school sounds much cooler, but when I was in junior high school back in the 70s, we had something called field day every year, and I loved this day. It was my favorite day of the whole school year because I loved to run and I loved to race, and most years I won my race. One year I even beat every single boy at football punting. It was awesome. So in these relay races, I was usually the last leg of the race, and it was so much fun to run across the finish line. So let's take a look at a relay race. What is it? The definition of a relay race is a racing competition where members of a team take turns completing parts of a course, usually done what they call four legs. So if you want to maybe think about different sports like running and swimming and cross-country skiing, Uh, biathlons have legs. Ice skating sometimes will have legs in races. Even something called orienteering, kind of like a pioneering, that has legs. And usually these types of races are done with a baton in the fist. In life, as in relay races, there is always something to pass on, always. Whether we realize it or not, we are always passing something on to those coming behind us. Now, That's kind of scary because that could be good or bad. So whatever it is that you've got in your hand, your fist, your baton, you're passing that to those coming behind you. The history of relay races can be found in Athens, Greece. Think about the Olympics, um, and that's where they very first carried the flamed torch. At that time, the baton was later known as a witness. A witness, and that is a word familiar to us in our Christianity. I thought that was so cool. So the reach back is a bit like passing the baton. The responsibility lies in both runners, the one passing and the one laying hold of. The passing of a baton is a bit like giving a witness from one generation to the next. 
Without it, you cannot reach your goal. I've even heard it referred to as our testimony. Our testimony in our walks with God is a witness of all that God has done, is doing, and will do in the future. You will possibly today hear me wrestling through my Bible as we go to the actual Bible and read quite a bit from it together today. Our first text is found in Psalm 78, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 8 to you. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth, and I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children. We will tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his, hold on, had to turn the page, his wondrous works that he has done. For he established, here it is, a testimony in Jacob, and he appointed a law in Israel when he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I'm going to stop right there with verse 7. So what is our baton? What are we passing? What witness are we giving and passing along to the next generation? So I want to wrap up this series of reach up, reach out, reach back with the four legs of the race. I think that they're vitally important to the reach back um, if we're actually going to not just run the race, but win the race. So I want us to look at the first leg. The first leg of the race is a love for Jesus, a love for his church, which he is returning for, and a love for the word of God. Our first direction in pointing anyone towards should be Jesus. We talked about that the first episode. We should also point people to his church where they become a part of the whole body of Christ and the word of God. We should not be pointing people to our opinions. The world is full of opinions. Uh, even most newspapers now that should be filled with factual news, the reportings of the day is filled with opinion pieces. But people don't need our opinions. They need actual real truth. They can find opinions anywhere. But when they are running with love for Jesus that is a flame in their hearts and loving and serving his church, which is the bride of Christ, and obeying his word, they will finish their race strong and victoriously. There is nothing in this world for any of us. Trust me, I have looked. I spent years looking to the world to fulfill me. So don't point other people to other people. Don't even point them to this podcast. Don't even point them to an influencer. Take them to Jesus because he never fails and he is always there, even when the world leaves us feeling empty and alone. And when they fall in love with Jesus, they will automatically love his church and they will love his word. Just take them to Jesus. The second leg of the race is looking at God's original plan for humanity. In theology, we call this the law of first mention. I want us to go now to the book of Genesis, which is where all things began. We all know that. Anytime you're talking about first mention, we have to go back to the beginning. And we're going to chapter 1, verse 24, is where I'm going to begin to read. And I'm laying a foundation here of God's original plan for humanity. 
Then God said, let the earth bring forth creatures of their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Isn't that interesting? The Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the us, was there at the very beginning of time before man was ever created. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the cattle, and over all the earth and everything that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Two, male and female, that's it. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And verse 29 says, Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed on the surface of the earth and every tree, and it will be food for you. And to every beast on the earth, the birds in the sky, everything that moves on the earth, everything that has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. Then if we go to chapter 2 and begin with verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. So God gave him a job to cultivate and keep the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree in the garden you may eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. And then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to man to see what man would call them. And whatever man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to the cattle, the birds, to the beast. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he took one of his ribs and closed up his flesh in that place. And the Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God's original intent is always there in his word. We can always go back to the beginning and see what his heart was and what it is for us today. Always reach back to that place. One man, one woman, and increase. Increase. Always increase. Everything God touches increases. It has always been God's design and his desire, and we even see it all the way through the New Testament. In Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6, we see Jesus speaking. And some of the Pharisees came to him, tested him, and said, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And this is Jesus speaking. He said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? There it is again. And he said, for this, man shall a, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. You see, what we have happening today is a perversity of God's original plan. But it is nothing new. 
Uh, if you want more information and, and to kind of read like Paul's thoughts on this, go to Romans 1. That particular chapter kind of lays out even a picture of what is happening today. I would start with verse 18. Um, I'm thinking, should I read you a little bit of that today? I'll read you a little bit of it today. Romans 1. I'm going to start with verse 18, but I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. You can go read in your own Bible. Okay, where am I going to go? Romans 1. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to start with verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. That's pretty big right there. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And therefore God gave them over to the lust of their heart to impurity and their bodies that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served the creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. That is kind of a sobering thing. And that's a little bit what's happening today. But when we begin to replace the truth of God's word and his intent with the culture and its lies, it leads us to fruitless lives. So our reachbacks deserve better than that. They deserve to know the truth, even if the truth at times is hard to swallow. Ephesians 5.11 says, And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Many would say this is an unloving approach, but I would like to suggest otherwise to you today. I want to tell you that it is the most loving thing we can do is to give people the truth, the real truth, even if it means that we may be misunderstood um, during it. That is our part. Okay, we're going on in our, in our next leg of the race to our third leg. And this one is tools to win every battle. We have tools to win every battle. The Word of God gives us tools to defeat the powers of darkness and hell. Ephesians 4.27 says, And do not give the devil an opportunity. How? How do we do that? What, what is the how behind all of that? Well, I'm glad you asked because God has a plan for that too. Ephesians 6, and I am going to turn there and read today. Ephesians 6 gives us a great picture of that. And you all know this, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir about this today. But here is our battle plan. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, there's that word truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. See, this is the battle plan. That right there, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, that is the battle plan against the enemy. And it is a sure victory for you and me every time we use it, every single time. But we must teach this to those coming behind us. See, the biggest lie that religion tells us is that we are not in a battle. 
We're just supposed to go around sprinkling love on everybody. And I want to tell you something, that's a lie. It is a lie, it is a lie, it is a lie. And the devil does not want you and I to even know how to fight. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. So when we pick up our weapons of our warfare, we actually win. Okay, on to our fourth leg of the relay race, and it's my favorite, it's hope. Our reachbacks need to know the absolute supernatural power of hope. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. See, even when you and I aren't faithful, he who promised us, he is faithful. Isaiah 40.31, one of my favorite verses, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Jeremiah 29, 11, and this was the verse that turned my whole life around. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And then Psalm 3, 2 through 6 says, and this is David, he's saying, many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him and God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me round about. I will not be afraid. You and I need to learn how to say that. We need to teach our reachbacks how to say that. I will not be afraid. I will not live in a, a, a state of fear. We are now living in the most fearful time since the last world war. Every news outlet has something fearful to say. Every financial institution, every place of medicine, every place of government, all that we hear is fear. And I'm talking about here in America because that's where we live. Fear has taken over. It has used the federal government and the, and the, the huge mainstream media as its mouthpiece. But the talker, the speaker, the one talking is fear. Do you know that you cannot live in hope and walk in fear? It is impossible. So pass the baton of love, of courage, of power, and a sound mind. When you and I are walking in fear, we do not have sound minds. Speak against fear every chance you get, and whatever you do, do not come into agreement with it, because when you do, that agreement then gives it legal access to your life. The last thing I want to say about reaching back is, you cannot pass back what you yourself refuse to walk in. I'm going to say it again. You cannot pass back what you yourself refuse to walk in. Remember the first episode, we talked about who we should be receiving from, those who have gone before you, uh, maybe in a different place than you are now, different season. I've heard it said jokingly. I have said this before at Sisterhood. You do not go to your dentist for a pap smear because he cannot help you. You just don't do that. It's like you don't go to somebody who's broke as a joke and ask them to help you financially because they can't help you. So in the same way, the people coming along behind you, they cannot receive what you wish you were walking in. They actually receive what you are really, truly walking in. And there's no faking it. You cannot duplicate what you are not. So here's our relay race. Number one, first leg, a love for Jesus, his church, and his word. Second leg of the race, God's original plan for humanity. Do not try to create your own theology. God has already given us a perfect one. 
Number three, third leg of the race, tools to win in every battle. Use those tools so you can run across the finish line. And the fourth leg is the supernatural power of hope. Is there a leg you need to strengthen today? If so, God will help you. He will not leave you in the mess alone. He wants you to be able to reach back victoriously. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice can be a reach back. You don't need a title, you don't need a position, and you do not need a special calling. You just need a willing heart, and it's for everyone. As always, I want to end today with prayer. I also want to leave you with a little practical tip. Father God, I thank you for each listener today, for the time that they have taken, and they want to learn more about you and your heart for humanity. Thank you for leading all of us during these stormy times that we are living in. And I ask today, God, that you would show each of us where to strengthen ourselves in the race. Help us to cultivate hearts that desire to reach back and bring others along with us. Help us to take time to see other people and to even pay attention to their own journeys. We thank you, God, for your word, which always leads and guides and directs our hearts in the right path. We want to say right now that we love you most, Jesus. We pray and ask all of this in your name. Amen. Every week, I get private messages asking me about health and wellness. I know that's crazy. I know it may sound funny to some of you because I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. I am a 56-year-old woman just trying to age well and be my best in every season of life. But I get all of these questions about how do I stay healthy, how do I stay strong. So I have decided each episode I'm going to leave you with a little tip. And today is going to be water. Today's tip is water. This is very fitting because on the next episode, I will have my friend and fellow minister, Nicole Roberts, in the studio with me to interview. And she and her family own a local water company called Southern Water. Now, if you live in southeastern North Carolina, you understand this. If you don't, just you can check out for just a minute. But you just don't drink the tap water here. Like Erin Brockovich, she actually came here because the water is so bad. That's how bad it is. It's basically contaminated. So we, as our family, we get our water from Southern Water, a local water company. And it's amazing. So my wellness tip of the day is to start drinking more water. Try to shoot for maybe 80 to 100 ounces a day. Now you're going to find that that that's a lot if you haven't been drinking much water, but you're also going to find that you've probably been in a mild state of dehydration for years and you may not even have known it. You're going to immediately start to feel better. It's going to affect your skin, your digestion, your energy, your ability to concentrate and use your brain, and it's going to affect your waistline. So until next time, I want to thank you again for joining me on the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. Remember, we meet every Tuesday for Sisterhood live and in person and would love for you to join us if you are in the area. Go make your life awesome today. <laughs> <laughs>